0: Hey, this is Dali, and you're listening to the Fear the Sword podcast. Hello, and welcome to The Bottom, a Fear the Sword podcast. I am Chris Manning, one of the hosts here, and joining me today is my co host, David zavok David, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? I'm doing good. So, this week, people, we're going to have this episode, then you're going to hear David and Chops uh, talk later this week about some other CADGY things. We're going to start big time here with the Kevin Love situation. Um, he's coming off his best game so far since he's come back from injury. The Cavs are much more fun with him on the floor. He's still on a minute restriction. There has been some, I think, silly hand-wringing about how much better he's made them and if that they're going to play themselves out of a top three slot in the draft. But, David, for you, getting Kevin back, uh, getting to watch a team with him on it again. What what for you has been the biggest thing that has stood out to you since he's returned? just his quality.
1: Um, It's like there have been times this year where, you know, particularly there was that stretch where they were down by like 20 points um, in like the first half in like nine of 10 games in a row. So, I mean, uh, it's been kind of a better stretch of play from the Cavs in general, um, and it coincides with playing some not very good teams, but like the Cavs also now have a top 30 NBA player on the court and um you know I guess it sort of depends what you think Tristan Thompson is but the Cavs haven't had a sort of skilled top 100 player at any point in time uh this season so it's just a a burst of quality um that's sort of like impossible to dismiss or not notice um and he's you know drawing some attention and and he's helping some of the other guys
0: out I think he's been just fantastic since he's come back he looked much more comfortable uh I thought in the Grizzlies game than he has in any other game and you know Memphis isn't very good um that certainly needs to be kind of remembered here as we as we talk about him but he just like looks sort of like I expected him to look at the beginning of the season, and I again, it's a question I think going forward, how much he's going to really be able to do this game to game. I think thirty two and what he and what he had last night um, is going to be kind of hard for him to sustain. That would be my my guess, just because that's just a lot for anyone to sustain. Um, they're certainly playing at a faster pace with him back, which to me has really stood out that they're just getting playing a little quicker. Colin and I think isn't slowing down as much, which I think plays to his strengths as well. And again, I think the big thing is that it does make—and you you hit on this— is that it makes things easier for everybody because defenses actually take Kevin Love seriously. He will be someone I think NBA Twitter has a weird discourse with because he isn't a modern NBA player. I think that's pretty clear. Um, I think we saw last year with the struggles he had playing the five— in terms of bulk, in terms of actually switching and everything, that he's not exactly the most malleable frontcourt player in a, in an era where those type of guys like J. Triple J and you know some of the other guys, Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Davis, obviously that are that are sort of malleable. Kevin Love is not malleable. He is what he is. He's he's really good at what he is, but he's not a super flexible guy. Um, as much as he appears in those Nike Yoga ads, he like is Nike Yoga ads. He is what he is. That being said, him is a four on a team where you have centers who can do other stuff, whether it be Sizic, Tristan Thompson, Larry Nance Jr., and then he sort of can help sort of a team that isn't really doesn't really have that lead primary option right now. He doesn't have that guy that they can funnel everything through on the wing, or even a guy you necessarily want to take a lot of those possessions. He has a lot of value on this team and he does just raise their quality. Um, Tristan Thompson to date has maybe been the best calf this year if you want to kind of ignore the injury concerns a little bit like that but like it's so clear how much better kevin love is than tristan thompson that's no shit tristan thompson kevin love is just really good even if he's not the most modern flexible nba player in a time when that is super valuable
1: well and, and we were kind of talking about this uh yesterday on the timeline like you know, we can talk all about the modern NBA game all we want and whether or not, you know, the Warriors made Kevin Love, you know, anachronistic, which is sort of funny because in 2013, 2014, Kevin Love was like the symbol of where the NBA was going as a power forward that could shoot the way that he did with the, with the volume he did. Um, but at the same time, uh, if you just look at the numbers at any point in time, that Kevin Love has played power forward with a, like, actual good center. Um, and not even, like, a really good center, right? I mean, it like, when Mozgov, you know, came in and was playing well, and when Tristan Thompson has played with Kevin Love, the Cavs in those minutes with Kevin Love at power forward have been really good. And even though I think Kevin Love's personal numbers last year were pretty good while he played center, um the team has always performed better when Tristan Thompson's been healthy, when Timo Mazgov's been healthy, and Kevin Love was at that power forward spot. So um, it's a little funny given where the team was last year, but now they have uh, Nance, Tristan, and, and T- uh, Nante. They almost have uh, sort of uh, too many centers. Um, but the, the, the good news is that means that, that Kevin Love gets to play power forward, I think.
0: I agree. And I also just like love. Um, I'm looking at a shot chart right now from the Memphis game, and I love just where his shots are also coming. He basically took like one true mid-range shot. He took one shot a little inside the left block, and then he took a bunch of threes, including two in the corner. Uh, certainly tilted to the left of the floor, which is interesting. And then he took th- four shots at the rim, making three out of those four. I like really like that distribution. Um, he's coming around screens. Interestingly, like you have David Nwaba setting some down screens for him, and, and with Jetty kind of primarily creating and uh, Sexton setting some screens. As he, as Kevin Love comes and pops for three, I, I like how they're not just you know letting him operate in the mid range, playing into some of the the habits of other guys and really crowding that space on the floor. Larry Drew does not deserve, like, a lot of credit for designing a flowing offense, and granted that's very hard considering the cast personnel, but in getting Kevin Love back, they're playing a little bit more loose, they're playing a little more free, they're kind of playing to guys' strengths a little bit, and Kevin Love sort of is the facilitator of that, and again, I love that he's, like, like I don't know if this is going to be, like, what his shot profile is moving forward, if this is, like, the adapted version of what he was in Minnesota. But if he's taking a bunch of threes, getting shots at the rim, and, like, picking his spots in the mid-range while maybe facilitating for the mid-range with, like, Ante and Tristan and Larry diving with, you know, Sexton and Jetty doing stuff, I'm really into that Kevin Love. And as much as I think, like, we will certainly hear Kevin Love trade rumors come summertime, I'm, like, really into, like, what they could do with him, um, especially if they're going to not get, like, Zion or something and they have to kind of build something around a a guy, build with another young guy who's not necessarily ready to be that lead guy or isn't that lead guy, I like that Kevin Love could be this. And if he's going to be like a three-and-rim big with some like mid-range facilitation, I'm super into that.
1: Yeah, I I just think, um, you know, you start getting into a conversation about no man's land and, um, like, does a Colin Sexton, Chetty Osman... RJ Barrett, uh, you know uh, Cam Reddish, whoever you know the three and D wing that you would pick with the second through fifth pick ends up being I don't know. Um, uh, If if you if you you play those three even with um, Tristan and Kevin, um, you know how how good is that team? Is that a thirty five win team? Is that a and and then it's a question of. you know, by the time, you know, Cam Reddish is ready to help you win, you know, where is Kevin Love at that point? Is Kevin going to help them grow? Yeah. And, and I, you know, we, we talked about that yesterday, um, you know, because I, I do think it helps Colin Sexton and, and Chetty to, to have him out there. Um, you know, do you, do you become the Pacers? Is that your best case scenario? Cause it might be, um, but is that a bad existence? I don't, I don't know. Um, so, you know, I, I think the good news is you can you can sort of choose. I mean, I, I don't think any of those are – if Kevin Love's playing well and you decide you want to keep him, that's not the end of the world. And if Kevin Love's playing well and you think you can get a, you know, a potential top 10, 15 pick out of him, um, maybe that's good too. And um, it'll be interesting to see. And, and I guess the, the other good part of it to think about is um, – Kevin's really the only one that shoots, but if Larry Nance plays well, or if Tristan plays well, or if Ante plays well, um, you can move one of those guys um, and still feel good about what you still have on the roster. So um, you've kind of talked about it a a bit, um, where the center and power forward positions are are sort of the only
0: areas where there's a real strength. Um, But that gives you some flexibility. I agree. Um, I think this is a good time. We're going to take a break to just touch a little bit from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and talk about what we think Kevin loves uh, sort of future with this group might be, which David, I think, hit on pretty well there. So stay tuned for more of The Bottom if you're the Sword Podcast. And we are back. Okay. I'm going to ask you just kind of a broad question here, David. I think you hit on it uh, a little bit in our last segment there, but Kevin Love obviously is a bit older than the the guys we're projecting to be the future of the Cavs. The Cavs are positioning as the building blocks of the future. That's specifically Jetty. That is Colin Saxon. We're going to get to Ante in our last segment, so it's maybe Ante Zizic. I think Nance is in that group as well because of that contract he signed. And then the draft picks they're going to have this year, those two first-rounders. Where do you? What for you would be the ideal role of kevin love like if you're if you're kobe allman and you're sort of envisioning what kevin role kevin's role is going to be in facilitating the next growth of these young guys is it in it or the next growth of the franchise if he's an asset to you what is that ideal role
1: um i mean hopefully as you're starting power forward i guess i mean i just think um you know if they come in next year um You know, I guess. I guess to start over, he has to figure out what he wants. Do they want to make the playoffs next year? If if that is a legitimate goal that the franchise has, then you obviously need to keep him, um, because you're not going to get anything else that's going to help you get to the playoffs next year. So I think it'll be easy to tell what the Cavs want to do based on how they approach Kevin Love this summer. If he has twenty more games like he had last night. he might actually, you know, get some of that trade value back. I had sort of said um, about a month ago that really there's no point to trade him at all before, you know, 11 months from now, ne- next year's trade deadline, because I just did not think, um, I just didn't think he'd be able to to get any type of trade value back in time. Um, but I didn't expect him to look like last night either. And you know, it was one game, so we'll see what you know he can do over 20 games. But um, I think if they want to make the playoffs, they have to keep him. Um, they probably also, um, you know, need a a, a real point guard um, that isn't Jordan Clarkson um, to sort of spell Colin Sexton. Maybe it's maybe it's Matthew Dellavedova. I don't know. Um, they're kind of, you know, we've kind of talked about this. They have a bunch of try hard players that have just enough competence where they're going to beat bad teams. I just don't know that they have the talent to beat good teams, especially not on any sort of consistent basis. So they're, they are, they are the definition of a team
0: that is in between at the moment. I think that's right. Um, here's my thing with, with Kevin. I because of how much time he missed this year and because of what they have done without him and how incompetent they look and structureless they look, I think is the best way to put it. I would be very nervous if this summer they get to July late July, right? And, you know, they've let's say they let's say they get they pick third, they take Jared Culver. And then with the 20th pick, they get, like, Kobe White or, or a, a, kind of a combo guard type. And they they reinforce those wing positions. They roll the next year, and it's like, you know, you have Nawaba back. You don't make any big moves with the bigs this summer. But then, like, free agency comes and goes. Some team misses out, and let's say, like, um, let's say, like, the Thunder just do something wacky. I, that's not even, like, a super plausible one. But let's say, like, they take on the Cavs, like, just flip Kevin Love for, like, a future pick and like Kevin Love goes to the Golden City Thunder or goes to, like, the Utah Jazz or goes X team that, that, need, that says, we need a Kevin Love. And the Cavs get picks, and they get other, like, whatever young pieces back, and that's the return, and that's probably reasonably what to expect. But they don't get anyone who can, like, replace him at least 70% or something. I really worry about what that does to the development of the Cavs' young pieces. Um, I think... I really like just don't think it's gonna benefit Colin Sexton. I don't think it's gonna benefit whoever they take in June. It's not gonna benefit Jetty. It's not gonna benefit Ante. It's not gonna benefit any young player they get. It's not gonna benefit Larry Nance, frankly. If they just take away the one guy who can really lead an offense, even if he's like gonna age, and it's the the injury concerns and the aging concerns are not are, are real, and I think um, a, a concern on that contract. I do think like I really wonder what. If there is some damage and just moving on from, I really would be, I think, good with, even if it's expensive to be like a fringe playoff team or like barely keep your top 10 protected pick next year. If you keep Kevin Love and you make him the focal point of your offense, you bring along the young guys and you give them that support system that I think they need. I don't think the Cavs are not the 76ers where they got Ben Simmons and they got Joel Embiid and like they have just used those two guys to will themselves into being a really good team. Unless the Cavs get Zion, I think it's plausible that they're gonna need to really lead into that player development that they really talked up this summer that they've that they're gonna I think keep being a talking point for them. I think Kevin Love helps with that. I don't think they're unless you get Zion and he becomes your system, I think Kevin's only gonna help RJ Barrett, he's only gonna help Cam Reddish, he's only gonna help Jared Culver, whatever young guy you get and whatever guy you take later in that first round, he's just gonna help them. I would not be in a rush to trade him unless you just get blown away, or like some team overreacts and offers you like two first round picks, or just something uh, probably a little bit overpriced for what Kevin is at this point. Other than that, I just say keep him, maybe trade him at the deadline. But I think I'd be very good if they just if he if he finished the rest of this contract with the Cavs and was like the leader as these young guys get a little grow into bigger roles. I'm good with that.
1: It's almost backwards and like logically, I I
0: don't think this makes
1: sense. But I almost think that if you got Zion, I would be more interested in trading Kevin, because like that is a blue chip talent. It actually like puts a like potential really good team on the table. In which case, then I would want to try and tank one more year to try and like pair another talent like Embiid and Simmons, um, and then sort of grow like that. Um, after you added that other one but if they don't get Zion then it's kind of like okay let's you know we didn't win the lottery this year let's start trying to 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 maybe just like you said develop the young guys that we do have maybe we can turn somebody into a really good player and at the same time while we come up maybe these lottery rules uh, will work out for us and, and maybe we'll luck into a top pick um you know, that's, that's, that's like sort of hard overhead to a certain extent because if you don't get Zion, then you probably need to tank even more. Um, it's probably even more important to tank because you're still looking for that game-changing talent. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think what's nice that, that we can say and maybe give Larry Drew some credit um, that even without Kevin Love this year, right, um, we're still in a position where it's late February, and we're talking about Colin Sexton, you know, getting a little bit better, and Chetty Osman getting a little bit better as the season goes. Um, you know, if, if they did move Kevin over the summer, it wouldn't be very much different than what the young guys just had to deal with all season. Now, all season has been pretty bad. I think the Cavs still have the worst net rating in the league. Um, their talent that they have on the roster is better than the worst team in the league. Um, but it's an open question as to how much better.
0: we wrap wrapping up uh, this segment on this question. I just kind of want no real deep analysis here because we're going to talk about one of these guys next. But when you look at, let's say Kevin is back next year and is part of the plan moving forward. The Cavs have three guys who are probably best playing center. Now, if Larry Nance's three-point shooting hits, this changes a little bit. But they have three guys Thompson, Zizich, Nance. When you look at the future of that position, if you're looking at maybe investing time and minutes and money into three guys out of the four, and Kevin Love takes up one of those spots, how would you power rank those other three guys in terms of your who you'd like to see kind of as part of this group going forward?
1: Um, probably, um, I, I really look at Shetty and colin being really on the same level. Um, there's probably a little bit more upside for Colin than there is Chetty. Um, I think both of them have pretty good mindsets. Um, uh, I guess I would go with with Chetty simply because I think his defensive upside is a little higher than Collin's. Um, and I think Chetty's handle has been a little better this year than maybe I would have guessed but they're they're virtually the same as far as I'm concerned, and I think if you look at Colin's age, you know, he could certainly end up making me look pretty dumb for that too. So uh, Chetty Colin and then Auntie who I have pretty positive feelings about right now
0: too. And let's look at the the, the the three bigs specifically too. Thompson, Nance, Zizic. Out of those three guys, is there is there a ranking there for you in terms of who you think kinda of makes sense going forward next year and beyond? Um, I think, I think what, like Tristan's like one year older than Larry Nance, um, with least, a lot, I mean, a lot more minutes on his, on his yeah, body. well,
1: yeah, that was when I first looked at their minutes, I, I just couldn't believe that, um, you know, Tristan, uh, is about to, he's going to turn 28, um, and it's about as old of a 28 as you can get, um, but I, I, I think that is another situation where if you're going to keep Kevin Love, then I think keeping Tristan Thompson makes a lot of sense. Um, if you are going to move Kevin Love and um, you get a Zion type player, then going with Nance and Zizic um, and just kind of staying younger, staying with fresher legs makes more sense. Um, so in a world with, with Kevin Love on the team, I'd go with uh, Tristan, then Larry, then Ante. In a world uh, where you know, you're moving on from, from some of the older guys, Uh, Even though Tristan is just going to turn 28, you know, it's an old 28. So uh, maybe then I would go uh, Larry um, and then Ante and Tristan would kind of be interchangeable at that point.
0: It would not shock me if Tristan got flipped to a good, uh, like a contender this summer. That wouldn't be the most surprising thing to me. Um, Last year of his contract, kind of the type of guy a team like. Like, this year's Toronto, to me, would have made a lot of sense for him, or just someone's, like, we need a backup center that has, that we can kind of make the most of it. That would not shock me in the slightest, to be
1: honest. If you're Toronto, would you have valued
0: Gasol over Thompson? Probably because of the passing, yeah. Okay. I mean, that that offense, to me, when I've watched it, has just gotten, like, a little sticky um and like tristan's just not tristan isn't gonna help with that like he's gonna set good screens and like do dribble handoffs and stuff but like is at least gonna like move the ball a little bit more and the upside's probably a bit higher um i i don't i think of a team like like if the clippers form a super team and like need to like flip i don't know what kind of their salaries look like but like that that's kind of the thing i would look at or like um funding of boston like theoretically or like just someone in the East. I don't know. I think I think like he can make sense for a team that's good and like feels like it needs a big. Um, we're gonna take one last break here, and then we're gonna come back to talk only about Ante Zizic and what his future might look like and what he's been so far this year. So stay tuned for more of the bottom. And we are back. Okay, Ante Zizic, David. You have. Ever, I feel like every time I edit one of your pieces and you write about Ante, the thing is you're like he's been really good. But I'm not sure what he looks like when he's a when like the Cavs are maybe good again. I don't know what his role is like on a team that is actually good. What exactly do you kind of mean by that? And has how he's played recently changed your kind of outlook for him at all?
1: I just think it's 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 not really even about him. Um, we used to do this, um, if you remember, not to keep going back to Tristan Thompson, but like Tristan would be playing like 35 minutes a game and before LeBron came back and not having good numbers because the Cavs were bad and he wasn't very good. And so he was part of the Cavs being bad, but then there would always be like Plumlee brothers or just random seven foot one, uh, dudes that played for the Blazers or someone else that like were playing 18 minutes a game and their per 36 numbers were like fantastic.
0: um, and everybody
1: would be like, "Why can't we get like, why can't we get that guy? He's he's way better than Tristan is." And I just think there's a huge difference um, between uh, 18 to 20 minutes versus um, you know 36 minutes in today's NBA game. And um, it's you know it's kind of like Larry Nance too. I, I don't think Larry Nance is built to play you know, 32 to 36 minutes a game at center. Now, Zizic might be built to do that, but I just think today's NBA game is just a lot faster. Um, it's tougher to stay out of foul trouble when you're that big and you have to move your feet. Um, teams play smaller, so having Zizic out on the on the perimeter is, is not as exciting. Um, do I think that, you know, they're is a role for uh, uh, you know seven foot one dudes to come in and play 18 to 22 minutes a game and just be really big and uh deterred drives to the basket uh, absolutely i just don't know how many seven foot one 280 pound guys in the league are playing more than 30 minutes a game anymore um unless you are like really really good i don't want to, to turn this into like a you know wood shack make it in today's nba game that's that's silly but um he would have to be really really good um to do more than that and i just don't i just don't know that he'll get to that level but can he be
0: a productive guy off the bench absolutely David Zavok on September 20 or February 24th, excuse me, said that Ante Zizic is the Croatian Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, that is the official take <laughs> for the record, please everyone hold that against him in 5 years. Um no, I mean I my thing with Ante is I think like there is a there's clearly a skill set there. Like he might be the smoothest role man among all the Cavs bigs. Like he's got a nice touch on the ball. He's got that little jump hook that I really like. Um, he moves better than I thought he would, and he had some of those ankle issues this year that I think hurt him as he came back. But I'm not unimpressed with how he moves his feet for for a guy his size, um, you know. But defensively, like he does scheme wise, he's going to limit what you can do. Like you're not going to. He is a guy that I don't think you could ever have hedge right. Like more and more teams have that that big come up in defending the pick and roll at least stick their hip out and then rotate back. I don't know how if can do that well enough. That That is a concern for me. I don't know if, if even if he's quick-ish for a guy his size, he, I don't know if he's going to have that kind of defensive mobility. Um, I if he, if he had a little bit more range, like an 18-footer, I would feel a little bit better, too, because he just doesn't quite have that in his game right now. That being said, if you told me next year the Cavs would have three bigs and it would be Larry Nance Jr., um, Kevin Love and Auntie Zizic because they flipped Tristan to a contender or, you know, if Kevin got moved and it was Tristan, Larry, if it was Tristan, Larry, Zizic, I'd be a little concerned, but if it's, if it's, if Zizic is the third big with Love and with Nance and Nance is the starter, I'd be okay with that, I think, where maybe like, maybe like Zizic comes in for Love and like Nance slides out and facilitates a little bit more um, and that just, you kind of figure that out. But if that means they can play like Nawab at the 4, I assuming mean, they keep him or, or bring in another 3-and-D three, three and D type guy who can slide up a bit, I'd be okay with that. Um, I, I obviously and I obviously think like he's worth – considering he's so cheap for like two more years because you shouldn't be picky with talent when you're the Cavs right now, I think they should find a way to just keep playing him. And I think he's done enough this year where I've been impressed, where I, I kind of want to see more. And to me, it would be kind of a weird – it would be like a weird use of him if like next year he's like your fourth guy and you just can't find minutes for him. That that to me would be kind of weird if he's a young guy and clearly like he might be around longer than Tristan or longer than Kevin. Like I think there's just something where you need to get him on the floor because he's young because you're again, the Cavs cannot be picky with talent. I think that that is just something that we have to think like it's like why like that's why like Marcus Chris, I'm good with him getting minutes because like maybe you can mind something out of that guy because he was a top 10 pick and you know, Brandon Knight had, was a good NBA player before he had that injury. Like, you shouldn't be picky um, for the Cavs right now. And I think Zizic is kind of if you can make it work and you can get something out of him, I'm I'm here for them trying to at least do that.
1: Like, there's um, you know, and I'm like I, I got, I'm like sub talking about you know a couple people, but um, I get not like being a big fan of Zizic or being very skeptical of Zizic. Um, but if you just simply look at what's happened when he played again I, I don't think like I don't think going and saying like oh this dude's a starter um, down the line or oh wow he you know th- this guy really is is good I, I don't I don't think we've seen enough for that but I don't know what you've seen him do when he was on the floor um, and it's getting to be a bigger sample now that says oh no he can't make it um, I don't know what I don't know what he's done that would be bad enough that you would say, nope, he's done, let's move on. And like you just said, exactly correct, we're not in a position where, um, you know, 21, 22 year olds that show promise, we can just say, oh, no, we're fine, we don't we don't need that. Um, and I, I think there's also a lesson to be learned from Kevin Love to apply to Z's where I think a lot of people just assume that Kevin Love's skill set is sort of outdated um, and isn't helpful, Um, and you know maybe that ends up being true. But in the meantime, he's been pretty helpful to the Cavs for a long time, and I wouldn't write off Zizic just because you don't think his skill set matches up with the NBA. We did the same thing with Tristan Thompson too, and then he ended up being a pretty good player on on a few Finals teams. So. Um, I don't want to write him off just because he's, like, too big or too slow. Um, I think he moves his feet all right. Um, But, again, it it just comes back to I think it would be very difficult to see him making it for, you know, 36 minutes a night. But uh, I think there's definitely a role for him in the NBA.
0: Yeah. I'm curious to see what they do with that and and how the Cavs kind of handle him moving forward. That's one of the more interesting things I kind of have looking out for him. But, David, any parting thoughts you want to get out here before we wrap up today's show? No, it's been fun. It's been fun. Two games this week uh, during the—well, three, four games this week, technically, if you want to go to next Sunday. It is Cavs Monday night against the Blazers at home. Uh, A big step up from playing the Memphis Grizzlies uh, that they just got them beating. Then they get the Knicks on Thursday at MSG. And then a home-and-home series this weekend, Detroit and Orlando We'll have a bunch of coverage up with Fear the Sword um, as well as across the various podcasts in the Fear the Sword family. Be sure to check out the Thick Jack Frame podcast on Monday as well from our draft guru, Trevor Magnotti. You can find David on Twitter at David Zavok, me on Twitter at Writes. Like Fear the Sword on Facebook, follow the, the whole blog on Twitter at Fear the Sword. Uh, David will be back later this week with another episode of The Bottom with Chops and Again, check out Trevor's Show Thick Jack Frames in the same feed. Leave us that five-star rating and review if you like what we're doing here. It is the best way for us to get more listeners, to get support, and you're supporting the your favorite Cavs block out on the internet. But for myself, for David, this has been The Bottom, and we will talk to you again soon.